0: Up, God, yeah. for we want to overflow. And now, God, I'd ask that you will fill your preacher, the Holy Spirit, that I may preach your word to your people, that you may be glorified. Your people will be edified, and Satan and all his hosts be horrified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Once again, from Proverbs 31. Verses 29 through 31, many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. I want to preach this morning with the help of the Holy Spirit, and I solicit your prayers from the subject, Biblical Models of Motherhood. Biblical Models of Motherhood. There's a story about four preachers discussing the merits of various translations of the Bible. One preacher said he liked the King James Version because of its beautiful language. Another said he liked the American Revised version best because he believed it was the closest to the original Hebrew and Greek. Still another said he liked a more contemporary version because of his up-to-date vocabulary. The fourth minister was silent for a moment and then he spoke up saying, I like my mother's translation best. Amen. Surprised, the other three ministers said, we didn't know your mother had translated the Bible. Yes, he replied, she translated it into life and it was the most convincing translation I've ever seen. Happy Mother's Day, thank God for mothers. Today I want to examine the lives briefly of five mothers who modeled for us on the canvas of reality what Bible-based motherhood looks like. Now, referring to these women as biblical models of motherhood does not imply that they always got things right. Or that they were super women. The truth of the matter is they didn't always get it right. They had their flops, their flounders, floundering, and their failures, and they were not super women. They were not superheroes, nor did they claim to be. But they did have a holy God, a super God who looked beyond their faults, saw their needs, and who empowered them to do super things on the stage of life. The first mother is Sarah, a woman of promise. Sarah, a woman of promise, she was the wife of Abram and the mother of, Of Isaac, Genesis chapter 12 reveals when Abram was 75 years old, God spoke to him and said, get out of this country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you and in you all families of the earth will be blessed. Verse five, Abram took Sarah, his wife and lot, his brother's sons and all their possessions that they had gathered the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. And every time I read this, I think about this, I think Sarah had to be a remarkable woman. For it was, imagine Abram going home one day and saying, Sarah, pack it all up, we're leaving. God told me that we're going to leave you, leaving your family. We're leaving our home. We're leaving our community. We're leaving the people we've grown to love and who love us. And based upon what God told us, we're leaving. And Sarai packed up. She had to be a remarkable woman. It was in the land of Canaan that God made a covenant with Abram to bless him with countless descendants but in chapter 16 both Abram and Sarah got off track when God wasn't moving fast enough to suit them in order to hasten the process or in order if you will to help God Sarah made a suggestion verse 2 states so Sarah said to Abraham, see now take a look at this Notice this, if you will, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And notice Abram heeded the voice of Sarah as a result of the union between Abram and Sarah's Egyptian maidservant, Haggai Ishmael, was born and set off a chain of conflict and chaos that's lasted even to this day. Yet in his forgiveness of Sarai's imperfection and of Abram's imperfection, perfection, in his forgiveness, grace, and mercy, God appeared to Abram in Genesis 18 and 10, and this is what God said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. God uses imperfect people to do remarkable things. Sarah was listening in the tent next door which was behind him but now both Abram and Sarah were well advanced in age and Sarah was past the age of childbearing and she laughed, the Bible says within herself saying according to verse 12 after I have grown old shall I have pleasure my Lord being also old But notice verse 21 and 1, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. And again, Sarah laughed in verse 6, but I find it interesting, this time her laughter was indicative of the joy she felt. In spite of being 90 or 91 years old, she gave birth to Isaac. First laughter of skepticism, second laughter of joy, enthusiasm. Although Sarah was not a perfect mother, her life bears witness to the reality that God is a covenant-keeping God. Mark that in your notes. Sarah was not a perfect mother, not a superwoman, never got, did not always get everything right. Her life bears witness to the reality that God is a covenant-keeping God. God is a promise-keeping God. And One of the greatest lessons we learn from Sarah, one of the greatest lessons, is that, mo- that mothers can teach children is to hold fast to the promises of God. Yes, mothers, teach your children to stand upon the promises of God found in his word. Tell your children if God said it, right. believe it, Amen. stand on it, right. stay with it. Strive towards it. Even your adult children, tell them, if God said it, stand on it, even though it has not come to pass. If God said it, stand on it. Stay with it. Strive towards it. Although the blessings tarry in their coming, Sarah reminds us that they will come. The second mother, also remarkable woman is jochebed a mother of protection. Jacobed was the mother of Moses. Her protective qualities is revealed in Exodus chapter 2 when a new king of Egypt came to power and for fear that the Jews living in Egypt would outnumber and eventually overpower the Egyptian, he gave the wicked order to kill all newborn Jewish baby boys, sent shockwaves through the nation of Jews that were living in Egypt. Aware of the king's insanity, Moses' mother, Jochebed, hid him for three months after birth. But when she could no longer hide him, the Bible says she made a small ark, a small cradle out of bulrushes, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, which were believed to protect against crocodiles, put him in a basket and set him afloat down the Nile River in the direction of Pharaoh's daughter who came to the river to bathe. And she did all of this out of her protective nature of her son, all of this under the watchful eye of Miriam, the sister of Moses. As the story goes, Pharaoh's daughter fell helplessly in love with Moses, took him home, raised him as her own son, and then used his mother, Jacobet, as his nurse and as his chief caregiver. How great, how awesome are the plans of our God. Who but God could set that up? What a remarkable display of Protection on behalf of this mother. Whether you are a mother like Jochebed, an adopted mother like Pharaoh's daughter, a grandmother, or rather you are a godmother watching over someone else's child, children need your protection. Children need your protection from abortion. Children need your protection from sex trafficking. Children need your protection from physical, mental, and emotional abuse. Children need your protection from evil people and evil influences which seek to exploit them and eventually destroy them. Footnote. Children may not always understand or agree with the protective measures you put in place. Can I get a witness here? They, they won't always understand it. Our children, Lanell Jr. and Delacroix, did not always understand the protective measures we put in place. I'm sure your children didn't always understand. Neither did you always understand your parents' protective measures. They do not always understand they'll they'll say things like y'all got me on lockdown. That's why our children would say to us, Mom and Dad, y'all got us on lockdown. Or they'll say things like, My friends are going to the party, to the dance, my friends are going to the cookout, the picnic. Why can't I go? Or they'll say things sometimes in anger or disappointment like, I can't wait right, right. Come on. Yeah. until I move yeah. out yeah. of yeah. here. Yeah. I can't wait yeah. until I'm 18 when I can leave the stringent confounds of your protective measures. I want to be free. I want to live. I want to enjoy life. Mothers, that's all right. You just hold your ground. Because later in life, when your children have come to their senses, later in life, when they have gained some experiences, later in life, when they have uh, experienced some of life knocks and bumps and bruises and heartaches and disappointments and frustrations later on in life when they have their own families, buying their own groceries and paying their own bills. They will call you on Mother's Day and say, Mama, I thank you. I thank you for protecting you for your tough rules. Thank you for your stringent guidelines. Thank you. I'm the man today that I am. I'm the woman today that I am because of you. I did not see it then but I see it now because of your protection. I'm wiser. I'm stronger. I'm better than I would have been. Thank you mama for protecting Moses rose to the level of leadership he did because he had a mother in Jochebed who protected him. The third mother is Rahab, a mother of pardon. Rahab became the mother of Boaz. Joshua chapter 2 verses 1 through 24 records the story of Rahab and if you haven't read it go back and read it a little bit later on where you can meditate it and, and, and focus on it it's a wonderful story Rahab was a harlot who had a house of ill repute in Jericho when Joshua sent two spies into Jericho in order to spout the land, they went to Rahab's house and, and stayed there. Some believed that they went to Rahab's house, believing that that, that, that that would be the safest place, that men were going and coming all the time from other countries, from other areas, and that they would not be found out at Rahab's house. But when the king of Jericho found out that the spies were at Rahab's house, he sent word to Rahab to turn the men over to to him. But instead of turning the spies over to, to the king, Rahab hid them on her roof and convinced the king's men that they were no longer at her house. Rahab then went up and spoke to the spies. And she shared with them her newfound faith in God. Verses 9 and 10, in verses 9 and 10, Rahab shares her proclamation of faith. Something happened in Rahab's life that she came to faith in God. Verses 9 and 10, she shares her proclamation of that faith. But in verse 11, Rahab shares her profession of that faith. Notice her proclamation in verses nine and 10. She said, I know that the Lord has given you to the land, has given you you to the, the land, the land to you. That the terror of you have fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for, we, for you when you came out of Egypt. We heard how your God is really awesome, is what she's saying, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed and in verse 11 as soon as we heard these things our heart melted neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you now notice Rahab's professional faith in God found in verse 11 for the Lord your God his profession he is God in heaven and Above and on earth, below, Rahab said, he is God, there is none other. There you have it. From the lips of a harlot a woman who had grown up serving a multiplicity of gods, now professing, professing faith in the one true God, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Rebekah. So it was when the city of Jericho was destroyed, Rahab and her family were pardoned. Rahab married Solomon and became the mother of Bohab who married Ruth, who gave birth to Obed, through whom Jesse and King David Uh came all the way to Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. So says Matthew 1, 1 1 through 17. Uh Although Rahab's life started out rough, she got it right with God. And God used her in the lineage of Jesus. Now listen to me. There may be some mothers here in the sanctuary or listening to us on the internet or on the radio who have not always been where you are today in relationship with God. Let Rahab's Pardon be a blessing to you. Knowing that if God could take a lady of the evening, pardon her of her sins, clean her up, turn her life around, and use her in the lineage of his son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, God can do the same for you. Rahab was not perfect. Uh But she was later in life committed to God. And God used her life in spite of her former sins and trespasses. God cleaned her up and used her in a remarkable way. And let your children know, too, that you have been pardoned. Children have a way of placing us on these pedestals and saying, Mom and Dad, you you never did anything wrong. Uh, uh, You've always been right. No, no, no. We've messed up too. We've been pardoned. Let them know that while you may have started out on the wrong road, the God you serve is willing and able to forgive. Let them know that he is the God of another chance. Yes, yes. Let them know that when, he met, when you, when they mess up, God is the God of another chance. When they flop, flounder, and fail, it's not over. God is the God of another chance. Yes, yes. Let your children know that the same blood Jesus shed to pardon your sins will pardon theirs yes. too. The the words of the hymn, Greatest Thy Faithfulness, tells the story of our faithful God who willingly forgives the sin of all who cast their cares upon him. The hymn writer penned and refrained these words, Pardon for sin and a peace that endurance Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings of mine with 10,000 beside. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness faithfulness morning by morning new mercies I see all I have needed thou hand has provided great is thy faithfulness Lord unto me that could very well have been Rahab's song of praise great is To me, in spite of my past, in spite of my sins, in spite of the disgraceful life that I once lived, great is Thy faithfulness, God unto me. Mothers, tell your children about the scarlet cord. In Rahab's window, representing her pardon, her forgiveness from sin. Tell them that their pardon is because of the scarlet blood of Jesus shed for them back on Calvary's cross. Tell them that Jesus suffered blood and died for their sins. But early Sunday morning rose victorious from the grave with all power in his hand. Forgiving power in his hand. Saving power. The fourth mother is Hannah, a mother of prayer. Hannah was the mother of Samuel. First Samuel chapter 1 tells us Hannah was the wife of Elkanah. Elkanah had also had another wife named Peninnah who had children while Hannah had none. Imagine that scenario. Two wives. One has children. The other has none. You can only imagine the turmoil, the dysfunction in that family. Panana made fun of Hannah's barrenness. Verse 6 reveals her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed up her womb. Verse 7, so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord, when Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, when she went up to pray to the Lord, when she went up, to worship the Lord. There her rival provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Classic sign of depression. Now although Hannah was a woman of much pain, don't miss this, she was also a woman of much prayer. Verse 10 says, and she was in bitterness, of soul but she didn't leave it there she was in bitterness of soul but she did not complain to others she was in bitterness of soul verse 10 says and prayed to the lord and wept in anguish. Her prayer continues in verse 11. Then she made a vow, a promise, and she said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Notice in verse 12, Hannah kept praying. Hannah did not give up. Hannah kept praying, kept making petitions to the Lord. And in verse 20, God granted Hannah's request. The text reads, so it came to pass, and get this now, in the process of time. It came to pass not when she wanted it, but in the process of time. It came to pass maybe not Exactly as she desired, but in the process of time, God took her through the process. And I'm convinced that as she went through the process, she was really burning off dross that made her ready to become the mother of Samuel when he came. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. And in verse 1 through 11, Hannah kept on praying to God and rejoicing in his goodness. Uh Mothers, one of the most precious things you can do for your children is teach them how to pray. Even if they're already grown, just continue to Give them those nuggets on prayer. Encourage them to pray. One of the greatest things a mother can do is teach her children how to pray. It's good to teach them English. It's good to teach them math and social studies and other academic disciplines. But there will come a time in their lives, I assure you when all the academics in the world won't do them a bit of good. There will be times during the ebb and flow of life. There will be situations and circumstances in life. There will be valleys and storms in life that only a talk with Jesus will put into perspective. All that talk with Jesus will bring guidance to their lives. All that talk with Jesus will bring peaceful resolve. So teach your children how to pray. Fifth and final is Mother. The fifth, fifth and final Mother is Mary, a mother of purpose. Mary is the mother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Luke tells chapter 1 tells us in the 6th month of uh, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city named Nazareth and there Gabriel spoke to Mary telling her that she had found favor with God and would become the mother of Jesus. Mary's response was overwhelming shock for at least two reasons. First, she was in shock Because she was a virgin. And second, she was in shock because of her lonely estate. That's another term for being poor economically. Gabriel said to Mary in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Verse 36. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Verse 7. The angel said, for with God, nothing. Nothing will be impossible. Mary in verse 38, after all of this earth-shattering news, after all of this shock, after all of this surprise, after being reminded by the angel in verse 37, for with God nothing will be impossible. Yes, Elizabeth is Is barren and she's up in age, but nothing shall be impossible. Yes, you are carrying this, this, you carry the Savior of the world. Nothing is impossible for God. From the backdrop of all of that, Mary in verse 38 makes one of the most profound and prolific statements recorded in the annals of biblical history. She said, Behold, the made servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Reminds me of what Jesus would say about 33 years later as he agonized in the Garden of Gethsemane about facing the cross. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass, but nevertheless. Thy will be done. Jesus had purpose. Purpose was to go to the cross and die to save sinners like you and me. His purpose was to rise victoriously from the grave and be our victorious Lord and Savior. Mary's statement of purpose. Behold the maid servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. How's that for a purpose statement? How's that for your purpose statement? How is that for identifying the reason you are here? Let it be to me according to your word. Mary's purpose in life was to be used by God. In any way, God chose to use her. Her greatest ambition in life was to please God with every ounce of her being. So she humbly placed her life at his feet. Marys, please God. Mothers, lead your children to develop their greatest potential. Lead them to strive for excellence. Lead them to be the very best that they can. But most of all, lead them to Jesus.